0: Welcome to PLV Radio Network out of BC, Canada, where inquiring minds meet inspiration. Coming up next is Sarah Positive Living Vibrations Roundtable Forum. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening everybody. You are with Sarah at Positive Living Vibrations. And today is a very, very important topic to me. It's all about anti-bullying. Bullying isn't something that just happens in the playground um bullier will take the bullying on into their relationships, they'll take it into the workplace. And until that bullying is dealt with at the root, we're never going to get rid of it. It just transfers. So today I decided to bring back three experts. People in their own field work with people that have core Issues which we do all have those issues, folks. We mustn't be afraid of that word, Um, that we maybe don't even understand or we don't even recognize. We could be brought up in a bullying family and we have no idea that this is uh, not meant to be or that it's unnatural. So we need to get down to the root of it, what we can do about it, how we can empower the person that is being bullied and how we can even help the bully understand the detriment of what they're doing. I have three wonderful guests here. Here today, I have Vassell, who I had on the show just uh, last month on bullying. I have Tracy McGee, and I have Susan Turnbull. Going to give you a little bio on each one of them right now, just so you know who they are, and then got to come on and introduce themselves. Tracy McGee is a psychologist with specialty in alcohol and drug abuse. She has spent the last 23 years of her career serving those and their loved ones who struggle with addiction suicide death and the accompanying feelings of depression anxiety and panic and believe me bullying can bring all of those her career has spanned the entire continuum care of mental health and um and addiction, suicide crisis phone counselling, emergency room critical care, detox unit inpatient psychiatry and long term rehabilitation Uh, she's also developed in an intensive dual diagnostic uh, IOP for those who struggle with mental illness and addiction I think we can say that she's extremely qualified. Fashiel I'm not going to pronounce your name he's aka Big Dog (laughs) he's a a dynamic anti bully speaker and certified anti Bullying coach. Um, he is an alumni of Baron Master Authentic Speakers Academy of Leadership. He's also a licensed practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming and a certified hypnotherapist and the author of an upcoming book called The Bullying Mind. And as I said, I interviewed him just last uh, month, and so there's a lot more of there. He was a victim uh, as a child. He was bullied very, very young, and he wants to put a stop to the bullying once and for all and help those kids who feel the same way as he did as a child in Pakistan when he was bullied and molested at the age of five. He lost his confidence and voice, and he desperately wished he had someone to talk to, but there was no one to help, and at that time, nobody paid attention to bullying. So the bullying went all through his years at school. His coaching clients spanned the globe where he spent the last 15 years. Um, he has assisted countless people in breaking through their self-limiting, self-defeating beliefs and behaviors. Now we go to Susan Turnbull. Susan and I go way back. I had to join my other um, radio network that I was on, uh, Fenty Q. We were both on there. Um, Susan is a belief coach. Um, she also does um, human design, which I highly recommend everybody do. Uh, she's an extensive background in working with energy of emotions. And this includes and is not limited to being a transformational beliefs coach, emotional energy specialist, human design specialist, Biokinesthetic facilitator. It's my Monday morning, folks. Author, speaker, radio show host, and spiritual intuitive. Her coaching clients may span the globe and... Um and she's it really has helped a great deal. Many people are recently a friend of mine who she helped considerably and uh, her proprietary beliefs, breakthrough coaching assessments um, assist clients in breaking through their core beliefs and issues that block their success in unpredictable, um, unprecedented ways. Beliefs folks can get in our way. If we do not look to see what those beliefs are and where they come from. So, Without any further ado, let us say hello to these wonderful people that have come here today to guide you on your journey. Hello, Tracy, Susan, and Vassell. Hello,
1: hello, Sarah. hello Sarah.
0: Wonderful having you on. Thank you for taking the time. It is a very, very serious topic, um, bullying, and I would imagine... Uh, Tracy especially at uh, the root of many many uh, psychological problems that uh, come along so I'd like you each to just take a couple of minutes and just uh, say a little bit more about you that maybe was not mentioned in the bio so people can get to hear your voice and then we're going to dive right into it Tracy how about we start with you
2: Hello, my name is Tracy McGee, and um, I have a private practice. It's called the Comfort Boutique and Counseling Center located in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I also have an online presence um, regarding the work that I do. As Sarah said, I am a psychologist uh, with a specialty in addiction spent a great deal of my career working with that population I'm doing a lot more dual populations meaning mental health and addiction um, transitioned from the straight addiction work about I'd say about two years ago. I'm thrilled to be on.
0: Welcome, welcome. And uh, Tracy is also going to be doing a show for us on PLV Radio. She's going to be uh, having a monthly show, and we're delighted to have her, and she'll be under relationships. Uh, Let's go to next lady, Susan Turnbull, who is also going to be on PLV Radio. I snatched the good ones, folks. Hi, Susan.
3: (laughs) Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much. Um, Actually, it was thank you for that wonderful introduction. One of the things that... uh, maybe has not been apparent in my bio is that I actually worked for the state juvenile justice department a few years ago and worked both in maximum security and general population for the juvenile correctional facility here in Albuquerque. And uh, even back then I had a tremendous response from the kids in my beliefs coaching process. Now, it wasn't what I was hired for. I was hired as a substitute teacher, but it lent itself to me creating, and actually, as we are doing this show, I have completed my, I call it PALS program. It's an acronym for Positive Actions for Life Success. It's a pilot coaching program for the at-risk population, kids ages 14 to 21, and it is a client-driven program where I'm um, hoping to get back into the juvenile justice system, both the federal system and the state, to incorporate a pilot coaching program where I can work with these kids and my beliefs assessments and my coaching because I really, really feel strongly based on the results I received before that this is a tremendous way to get to the root of both the bully, the, the victim and the bully. Um, as I saw a lot of that going on in the detention facility. So thank you, Sarah, for bringing me on board today. It obviously is a topic that I am very, very passionate about. Thank you.
0: Yes, and that's the reason why we're all on here is because uh, I think everybody's been subject to bullying somewhere along the line. And definitely, if I sell, you have certainly been subject to the bullying, which has uh, led you to this pathway. So how about you tell us a little more about what you're doing?
1: Well, first of all, Sarah, thank you very much for bringing me back to your show. And uh, I'm 100% sure um, your listeners, they will get a lot out of it uh, from today's uh, roundtable with myself and the ladies. Um, You pretty much said it all about uh, what I do, but what I want to tell listeners is they must be thinking, what is big dog?
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Do you bark at everybody?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do once in a while.
0: (laughs) As long as you don't snarl.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what big dog means is it means that a child owning their voice, having this confidence and freedom to express themselves freely and not be afraid of anyone trying to bully them around. So that's what Big Dog is, and there's a big part of it um, in my story, actually. Uh, I don't know if we'll go into that, but if we go into that, it comes from my story, from my past, and personally, I'm not new to this bullying arena. Um, you mentioned earlier something about family bullying. So I have seen that in my family, and I graduated from University of Hard Knocks. People mm-hmm. ask me, do you have any degree in this? I'm like, there's no degree in bullying, but this is what I saw in my own personal um, life uh, Pretty much through all my life, I was bullied, and I have seen ins and outs what goes on in a bully's mind and what goes on in a victim's mind. So that's what I bring to the table now. Um, my, my job now and my vision now is to help all those kids and parents who are going through this epidemic of bullying and don't know what to do. So that's what I'm here for. To uh, to put a stop to bullying once and for all,
0: and something that definitely needs to have a stop to it. So you know, um, let's get down to really the core. And you know, Susan, we'll start with you on on the beliefs. Um, uh, you know for, for people who don 't really know what this kind of beliefs coaching is is that we can really um go about our way you know doing something without actually realizing we 're living in a belief that maybe had been imposed on us as children or you know environment and society and we can speak that belief, but until we truly understand what that belief is, we don't really know what we're taking on. So sometimes we have to kind of relook at things and understand what that belief means. When it comes to somebody that is the bolia, um, what do you um, what do you say to that? Well, oh, I'm sorry, I've got a ding dong going on here, and that shouldn't be going on either. But one of those t- things today. Um, I have my own personal retrograde going on right here in my living room today, folks. So if you hear any ding dongs going in the background, just ignore them. So Susan, uh, give us a little bit more on the beliefs of of maybe of a bully's mind.
3: You know, um, in in the work that I do, you, and let me for the audi- for the sake of the audience and why I do this work um, beliefs lie behind all lack and limitation, no exception, and basically, and, and beliefs are so incredibly powerful. We create a reality by what we agree to believe. Every thought, word, action, behavior, every value that we hold comes from our belief systems, but here's the kicker. It is scientifically proven that by age 2, we have formed 60 to 90% of our beliefs. By age 6 or 7, 100% of our beliefs about ourselves and our world around us are in place. Now, these are mental constructs that we create based on our experience or what we've perceived or taken in to help us make sense of the world in which we live. And basically stated, beliefs are nothing more than thoughts that we have attached to. Emotion to and have decided and agreed is true for us. They act as filters. And we pay attention to what we believe is important and ignore what we do not. Thus, beliefs drive behavior. The kicker is that beliefs start to get buried into the unconscious mind or the subconscious mind. By the time we're adults, We're only operating five to ten percent of our reality on a conscious level, but most of our reality is being created subconsciously. And what I have found is it's a very individual thing because it's not, it's not, um, I can't say statically that every human being, um, has created this belief or that belief. What we've done is we've created a hidden belief story. We've kind of taken all of our experiences and created and woven this very intricate story that gets itself played out there. And as I was thinking about the show today and looking at the bully aspect of it, and Fassel probably has a lot more very concrete information, but one of the things that I have seen working in the juvenile detention center is that the bully himself is actually a victim. He doesn't know it. It's almost like a. It's almost like a mentality. I am absolutely going to get you before you get me, and I think and feel that um, the bully is wired differently than the victim. I think victims have a tendency to, and I truly believe because I am at the core of my being, grew up being a victim as well, in a different way, shape, or form, but. I believe the bully is a victim, too. He's just wired more aggressively, and I believe has witnessed more aggression than possibly the victim has. Hmm. And um, I still believe that a bully is a victim in in many ways, shapes, or forms, but they, they have this mentality that, there's almost like this energetic wall around them that says, I am actually going to go out there and get all of you before you can get me. So the bully has been hurt, too, and yeah. probably by someone in his or her um environment now so it's a
0: learned behavior it's a
3: learned behavior Mm -hmm. it absolutely is a learned behavior and it's cyclical now some of the kids that i've worked well most of the kids that i worked with at the juvenile facility we're talking third fourth and fifth generation gang community Mm -hmm. so by the time they're taking their first breath and coming home they're already energetically in an environment where gangs rule
0: and, that's all and they this know. is
3: all that yeah. they know. But I've witnessed firsthand by taking them in small groups, this is not what they desire. This is not what they want. And I've had the biggest, baddest bullies at my feet, shriveling up, crying like a little baby when they were away from their peers and being allowed to express what they felt and who they really were.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, And I, I, there, and maybe Tracy can answer to this one, but there's obviously a lot of psychology that goes to the bully and, and there's, there's the danger of teaching the bully, uh, compassion and empathy because they obviously have none. It's very easy for them to strike out and to hurt another without feeling what it is that they're doing, and I noticed at this facility plus two or three more that I've worked at, um, there were programs in place doing equine therapy and dog therapy to try to get the bullies and the abusers and the um, those that were the angriest to try to formulate some kind of empathy. By connecting with animals, so that's yes. You know, and
0: animal it, it, therapy is always a, a wonderful yes, way to bring people so back down to I, humanity. I
3: say on on some level, Sarah. I say the vic- I say the bully is also a victim, just a different kind of victim.
0: Well, that's exactly what you say too, Vessel, isn't it? It's both sides of bullying. You know, in order to become the bully, uh, you're generally being bullied. Uh, I
1: 100 percent agree with Susan. Um, my main um, my main focus is, and this is what I teach all the parents, and most of the times they are like, whoa, really? Um, what I teach is, or tell them, is bullying starts at home most of the times. And bully, they're also made in homes. Most of the acts we do are reaction to either fear or love. Mm-hmm. And what happens to a bully is, depending op- upon the circumstances, most of the times there is something going on um, at home. Either one of the parents is bullying them, or bully is, or that child is watching a messed up relationship between parents or guardians they are living with. And what happens to that child is they don't get any attention. So there's no love. They are living in fear constantly. So what they pick up from that is they know the only attention they can get is by showing aggression to others because that's how that child's parents are getting attention. So what mm-hmm. happens is they go out in the school, that child in the school, on the, on the playground, and that becomes their belief. Okay, I have to get the attention, and this is the only way I learned, by mm-hmm. pushing around other kids. And this is the same thing Susan was saying, that, that belief becomes uh, the part of reality. That child, that bully only knows one way. The only way I can get attention is pushing around other kids now.
0: It's sad, isn't it? It it, It is sad. That's what they have to learn.
1: It is sad. And most of the people, they don't understand. They think bullying or bullies are made in schools or on playgrounds. Mm -mm. Just like Susan said, it's it's not that bully just woke up one day, that child woke up one day and thought, okay, I'm going to start bullying other kids. No, there's a reason behind it. I believe all the kids, when they are born, they're innocent. No kid knows or believes that, okay, one day I'm going to get up and go out there and start beating up on other kids, and I will become a bully. No, that's not what it is. It's the circumstances which make a child into a bully. And like I said early, earlier, it starts at home. Bully is actually a victim. You're 100% right, Susan. Mm-hmm. This is what's going on.
0: But you know, let's, let's also, before I get to Tracy on this, is, you know, we're not saying that all households of bullies are big, cute, bullying parents. It's just sometimes it can be the apathy, you know, the, the lack of embracement of love. Um, they're not paying attention to that child's needs, like they're, they are being bullied themselves and a the parent, you know, doesn't want to deal with it or doesn't know how to deal with it. Um, you know, bullying comes in so many different degrees and uh, it could be just ignoring a child as well that makes them reach out to become popular so that they're seen. Um, but it doesn't mean that, you know, a bullied parent or a parent that bullies may not be a bad parent. It's just again, it's a repetitive cycle and they're, t- you know, they're raising the children the way they were raised and they don't know any differently because those were their beliefs. So Tracy, let's bring you in this on the psychology aspect of this. Um, going very deep here today. So yes, but we need to.
2: Okay. Well, what I can bring to the discussion is the psychological piece, and and it goes much deeper than just the mind part. We've got the body, mind, and spirit. And absolutely, um, I believe also that children are born. Um, ready to embrace the world, and it's the experiences, good or bad, that they experience over time that shapes them. So a bully didn't just wake up one morning and decide he's going to pound somebody. He has been pounded in little ways and possibly bigger ways, and he has learned how to take power and control to protect himself. Um, that doesn't let him off the hook for being a bully, but it helps us understand that we can shape people. We can teach and demonstrate empathy. That's why um, the other gal was talking about, you know, bringing animals in to help them teach empathy. That's absolutely true. Um, I think if we can start in the elementary school doing that type of thing, we can not only save others from being bullied, but we can maybe save the bullies themselves. From a statistic standpoint. The sociopathic people, and sociopathic by definition, are people without empathy. These are the serial killers, for example. From a standpoint of sheer numbers, it is very—it's a very minute part of our population. So that means the majority of the bullies can be reached through empathy, um, teaching them respect, holding them accountable. That's the other piece. We absolutely must hold them accountable. If we don't, then we shape them into being a worse bully. So a lot of the work I do, if I have folks who are being bullied, I will teach them the idea of we meet the bully in the playground. And if we have to, we give them a black eye. We use their language to tell them back off. They respect that. They understand that. They get it. Now, the one piece that I think is new culturally, which did not exist, in my opinion anyway, 20 years ago, is these we have a whole segment of um, people who've been bullied whose egos are so um, fractured, if you will that they're doing acts of violence on one hand they're killing themselves we're seeing that enormous mm-hmm. numbers the other group are killing others they're fed up and they take guns in and they they take people out in my opinion. <clears throat> Bullying has been around forever, but now we've got people in the last, I'd say, 20, 20, 30 years acting on being bullied, either killing or killing themselves. And so it's become a huge social problem in and of itself, but it's always been here. And so now we have a job of helping rescue the bullies from their bulliers and then teaching them how to be productive citizens.
0: Yes, and. It's a hard one to do, isn't it, folks, when you're looking at, um, That the cycle, you know, now it used to be the fist fight, didn't it? You know, that a little bit of terror, you know, push you up against the wall, hit your lunchbox, uh, the fight in the playground. But now we are dealing with knives and guns, initiations, you know, to be a part of the gang, you've got to go and take somebody out. And where is that value of life? I just don't seem to see it anywhere anymore. And why is it not being taught in the home front? You know, what is going on that we're not paying attention You know, yes, it does start at the home because people who have got those home values don't go around bullying, we hope. We hope that they're not doing that when they're out of our sight. But they have more empathy and more consideration for life, we hope. Um, We're not just talking about poor areas where, you know, it is rampant. Um, And that is a lot to do with poverty when a parent is trying to put the food on the table and, uh, you know, provide shelter. It's very hard for them to provide nurture. Because obviously, as you right. said, they've been victims them- themselves. But this goes on too in, you know, in wealthy homes as well. It goes on in high society, just in a different way. So we know that it starts at home or it gets ignored at home when a child comes home and says, I'm being bullied. When a child does come home and say, I'm being bullied, what should be the parent's reaction? Um, I know they want to go to the school and beat up the kid themselves. Um, you know, which is not the solution. But what is the advice that you can give to a parent when that child comes home? First and foremost, don't ignore them. Who would like to address that?
1: Uh, sure, I'll go ahead. Okay, um, I can totally understand that because um, I would say about two years ago, my own daughters—they um, were six and nine at the at that time. They started getting um, teased and bullied in the school. Um, There was there was no physical not no physical bullying involved, but uh, for some reason other kids were bullying them, just teasing them for whatever reason. So now, I was going through my training at the same time through my personal growth, and when I heard, I took it differently. On the other hand, my wife, when she heard, she Got really furious. So it, so she had a reaction of a normal parent, I would say, let's say a a general parent. She got Mm -hmm. furious. She was like, okay, let's go to the school. Let's go talk to the teacher. Let's go talk to the principal and what, and see what's going on without understanding or without trying to find out what's the reason behind it, why our daughters are getting bullied. Um, Was there a reason? Maybe there was something behind it. Maybe they even did something to provoke that bullying. So that was one reaction. And on the other hand, I was trying to figure out, first of all, who did it? Who is that kid? What is the background of that child? What is the background of that child's family? So I was trying to understand why... That child is bullying. What's the reason behind it? Instead of just getting furious, I was just trying to figure out why that child did that act and be compassionate towards that child. And then I also started talking to my own daughters and trying to find out, like, what are they doing? How are they behaving? Are they bringing that bullying on themselves? Am I doing something wrong as a parent? Am not am i not equipping them with the tools and awareness did i do something wrong so that's what was going on in my mind and and again you asked um, in your question like people are behaving nowadays differently especially parents like they just get angry right away uh when they get to know if their child is getting bullied but my my point is as soon as you get to find out that your child is getting bullied, do not get angry, especially with your child. Mm-hmm. It's not your child's fault that they got bullied. It's not their fault. First, be compassionate towards them. Tell them you do understand what happened and try to find out all the details. Tell them you will Fix the problem. You will help them. You will do anything to take care of the problem. Put the child at ease so the child is comfortable instead of getting angry at them. If you get angry at them, that would be the last time your child is going to let you know about bullying.
0: Yeah, they'll shut you down.
1: They'll shut it down because what they'll think is it's their fault. They will think it's a shame. So next time, if the incident happens, they will keep it quiet. They will keep it inside.
0: They'll also think that the parent doesn't care. You don't care yeah, exactly. about me. You don't love me.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what's going on nowadays. Um, so many suicides. Yes. Because those kids, I have spoken to two of the kids who committed suicides, two of the teens, To And I spoke to their parents. And I was surprised to find out that their parents did not know the extent of bullying their children were getting. For them, it was just a minute incident, one or two incidents, and they did not think it was that bad.
0: And this is something that we see, you know, on the big escapade, when we see all these horrible killings going on in schools, it generally comes from, you know, the kids being bullied. And, you know, we we use the word bully, but we also can talk about mean girls. Um, You know, I think that when you're looking at school, when you get a bunch of girls together and they decide to be mean and they're so demeaning towards other girls, um. And degrading that it, you know, it plays horribly on a person's psyche. Uh, Tracy, I'd like to hit, uh, hit you on this one. You know, the, the, you know, bullying isn't just pushing around or, you know, hitting people. It's that subtle, demeaning approach towards somebody to make them feel small.
2: Correct. Leaving them out, making them feel rejected, not good enough. I've dealt with a number of um, teenage girls on this very issue and trying to help them get to a place in terms of being okay emotionally and psychologically in the face of rejection. Um, One of the things or one of the approaches I've taken with the girls is to help them understand, again, what the belief system is. Is inside. I need to belong to this group because, and it's very true. Those belief systems are hidden from our awareness, and part of the work of getting to know ourselves as we operate in this world is to expose those belief systems so that we can change them. If we can change them, part of the bullying will go away because the the child will quit trying to be part of a group. For example, the group that's rejecting them, and when they stop caring about Mm -hmm. that group, then they stop feeling the rejection.
0: We're empowering them to actually embrace who they are, instead of trying to be somebody else's perception.
3: Right. Sarah, this is Susan. You you said that was perfectly stated is that I watch a lot of quote-unquote systems working with these kids where they are constantly being told what they should do. Mm -hmm. This is how you should behave this is I I recently um, was given a guided tour for this program and it was a federal program and I almost shuddered a little bit because as as I walked into the cafeteria area of this place there was um, this chart almost like a gold star type system and and um, uh, you had seen these particular boys work their ways up in the ranks and they use military like colonels and majors and lieutenants and stuff. But all of a sudden here was the dreaded list and here were their pictures and these were the boys that had fallen out of grace. And they were stigmatized because they were forced to be s- seated at a particular table in the cafeteria in my opinion totally exposing them to ridicule by the other boys right I, I'm I, I, no one anywhere along the way do I feel that they had been asked what what you know from the to me it's a client-driven program when you're told all along the way how you should be how you should behave the dos the don'ts at any point in time does anyone ask what are you feeling and what do you want? What do you want? What would you like to see? And right. interestingly enough, I have a lot of them say, they used to call me Miss at the, at the detention center. Miss, I don't know. Because no one had ever asked. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, it should be an inside out program. It should be an inside out job where they're not, directed and you should do this and should do this and should do this, it's getting to the essence of who they are and having them discover and uncover just how powerful they really are in creating a positive reality for themselves.
0: You know, one thing I I hear all the time, I have a couple of friends in the correctional um, uh, business, Uh, one has got out because she knows it's not working, you know, it's all about Discipline and uh, regiment and um, structure, and you know they're not they're not getting to the root. You know, there's a reason why these these kids are this way, Uh, and they're not getting to the root of that. They don't pay attention to the psyche, the spirit, the soul, the heart. It's all about well, you're a bad kid and. do as I tell you to do. And, you know, the, then that just incites more of that gang mentality. They just create a gang inside. Um, she's going to be creating a kind of retreat for, for people where they'll have anything from a year to 18 months there of pure healing, working with animals and uh, learning to find the value of life. And, you know, I have worked alongside with her a couple of times and the most despairing thing I found if somebody's angry you've got some anger to work with when you've got people that are in apathy that have have just no connection to life at all there's nothing switched on inside of them it is so sad it's like you know kind of watching a zombie go through life there is no attachment what can we do for those kind of people who've just basically you know there's the bullied that fight back but the the ones that retreat so far back that no one sees them anymore anybody want to hit that one
1: well, um, when you, uh, Susan, when you were talking, you just hit a chord uh, inside me. It reminded me of my family. Um, when you were talking about dictatorship, basically, when a child is told repeatedly what needs to be done or what they shouldn't do, um, they become robots. So it mm-hmm. just it reminded me of my family. That's how I was. I was told. Every day what to do, what not to do, and where to go, where not to go, which friends to play and which friends not to play. And even to the extent that um, I was told to become an engineer, study hard, become an engineer, even though I did not want to. And for years and years, because of the bullying, because of the beatings, I just kept on studying to become engineer. And I did not even want to become an engineer. And same thing, I I see in so many kids, in so many families, they have so much pressure on the kids to be someone else.
0: An image of their own desires.
1: Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. What parents want them to be. They want to have trophy child. Mm. And they don't even think about what... Uh, that kid wants to do what is their desire. And then what happens is either that kid becomes a bully just to retaliate, maybe not in front of the parents, but outside the house, just to retaliate. Try and find a voice. Exactly, to take mm-hmm. out that frustration. They become bully, And on the other hand, just like what happened to me, I became just a quiet, shut-down boy. And most of the kids, they do that too. They become victims because they do not know how to stand up for themselves. So the root cause is same at the home. Either they can become bully Mm -hmm. or victims.
0: Totally retreat.
1: Totally retreat.
0: Tracy, what do you have? Uh, and I'm sure you've seen a great deal of this, especially dealing with, um, you know, the suicide of things. You know, people who just give up.
2: Yeah, and I've I've dealt with a number who are homicidal as well, and um, there is a distinct difference in the populations between again, I mentioned sociopaths earlier, um, and then there's a segment of the criminal mind where. The types of things that we do with children and teenagers, it doesn't necessarily work with them. It's a very specialized population that needs a specialized approach. But again, the majority of people though it falls back to the acceptance-rejection continuum. So if, a, if somebody is feeling accepted, even if the whole world doesn't accept them, if they've got some key players in their life who they believe have their back, love them for who they are, not for what they produce or what, what they do or say, um... Those folks are in a really good place than to grow and nurture themselves in life. The rejected folks, though, that's where the bullies and those being bullied fall on that um, continuum. And those are the folks that if we start with just some basic respect, people. People respond, even when they're little children, they know when they're being treated with respect and dignity, people respond to that and they grow and they blossom. And we can teach them how to empathize and how to communi- communicate what they want and need. Um, but the, the family system is a huge problem. Um, if, if the parents and grandparents and the aunts and uncles don't have it together, their children won't have it together, and their children will need help to pull it together. Yeah. Um, and so that is where a lot of my work is. If I'm not working directly with the child, I'll work with a parent to help mold the parent so that they can be a better parent for the child to get them out of that really awful, terrifying place.
0: Yeah, you know, um, it's, yeah, Susan, please go on.
3: Um, I, I want to interject here. There's something that Tracy just said, too. I agree with. Um, one particular afternoon, um, and I kept close tabs on these kids, and I had heard that this one very, very quiet boy, he was in incarcerated for Grand Theft Auto. Very, very quiet boy. And um, they were working on assignments, and I went up to him, and I said, I understand you're getting out soon, and I had a smile on my face and really engaged in a conversation about what is it you're going to do when you get out and trying to, to feel my way around his situation, and he said, Ma'am, I'm going to do the best I can to get put back in here. Wow. And I, I was stunned, and I said, Roy... Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? He says, you don't understand, miss. He said, everything they do is to reintegrate the family. They don't get it. I can't go home.
0: Right. Right.
3: Because he knew what he was in for. And it broke my heart because here are these supposedly college-educated adults running a system that were so bent – on bringing the family unit back together without looking and not realizing it was the family unit that got that kid there in the first place. And he said, Correct. I'm not old enough to be emancipated. And at least if I'm back in here, I've got a roof over my head and three squares mm-hmm. a day until I'm an adult. Yeah. I Correct. could not believe my ears.
0: Well, I've actually, um, my heart. through my life, actually, I've always had an open door thing. and um, I wear a you know, we've taken kids in. And I remember my brother bringing people home. We, we called everybody Fred. We, we didn't know their name. We just called them Fred for some reason. <laughs> and there's one guy, um, he was 16, and his mother kicked him out of home and said, no, you've got long hair. Go. That's it. Not cut your hair or anything, but you've got long hair, and that's it. And and he stayed with us for a year, uh, you know, graduated, and then managed to get into college. And he was a very bright and very soft, neat kid. He just had a parent that had enough of him. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just because we can get pregnant and deliver a child doesn't make us a parent. Correct. And, you know, um, parenting is, is one of the biggest responsibilities in this world because we have a human life that we're responsible for and we're here as their guardians not as their owners and they don't come with manuals and each one of them is unique you want to understand your child you learn to communicate with your child you learn to listen to your child you interact with your child and then you will actually have a child there that knows they have that freedom to speak to ask and also to assess for themselves I'm going to go on to another topic here, one thing topic, but um okay, folks, this is the big one. How do we change a bully? You know, most of the time they're in denial. How do we actually change that? You know, get them to recognize they are a bully and stop the bullying. We know what they need to do, but how how do you get them to recognize that and step up, make that choice? Who wants to dive in on that one?
1: That's a tricky one.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes, it is. Well, <laughs> one, right? for um, me, getting people
0: to make that choice.
1: Well, for me, um, it's just taking that child to the basics. Because at that point, when a child becomes bully, uh, they don't know what is wrong. They think by them bullying other kids is okay because that's what they learned from their parents or from their surroundings. So for them, uh, you will be surprised to know if you actually sit down with a bully and start talking to them and start asking them questions, they will deny, they will be like, oh, Mm -hmm. I did not know whatever I'm doing to the other kids is bad. Because that is their life. This is all they know. This is all they learned from whoever they were living with. So what, so my easy, well, it's not an easy option. The only way is to take them to the basics and teach them, again, love, care, um, sympathy to other kids, compassion. And then show mm-hmm. them examples or, or ask them, okay, what if I do this thing to you, how would you feel? Let them feel and come out with their own answer. Instead of telling them, okay, if you beat up a child, they will feel like this. No. Let the bully come out with the answer. Let them feel it. Put them mm-hmm. in those situations themselves. I know sometimes some people will think, okay, this is not right to do, but this is the only way they're going to get to know. They will understand how the other... Mirror it back. Exactly, how the yeah. bullied child is feeling. This is the only way they can feel. And I have seen some life-changing... Um, incidents is like I have simply by asking a, a bully taking them to the playground and just by taking them to swings and I ask them, okay, for instance, if you are here and you want to go on the swings, I and I don't let you go on the swings. And matter of fact, I start beating up on you. How would you feel? And I just let them sit and feel. And then after five minutes, that child is crying. I will feel really bad. I will feel hurt. When that thought comes from within the bully, that's when the change is made. Mm-hmm. Like just by. And they channel, recognize. That. Yeah, they, they recognize from within. Yeah. But if I start telling a bully, no, you gotta change, you cannot beat other kids or you cannot tease other kids, most of the time it does not work because in their minds, it works. Unless it comes from within, from their heart.
0: No, plus it's just an adult telling them what to do.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Right? You know, we want them,
0: we want them to learn to work things out for themselves and realize the inner consciousness of what is right and wrong. And they need to learn that for themselves and whether to, Guide them doing that, not tell them. Otherwise, it's just another adult telling us what to do. We'll ignore them, True. ladies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we've come across that we've raised children. <laughs>
3: Sarah, there's a another uh, exercise that I've used before in um, this was for a program in a particular called the South Valley here in Albuquerque, and I've worked with some at-risk youth there. There's an exercise where you take, I say children. These are <laughs> almost adults, but we're talking 14 to, to 19, 20-year-olds. And you divide them across the room facing one another, and all you say to them is, "If I'm going to read an experience, and if you have, have had this experience, just take a step forward to the middle of the room.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And then you go through this list of, there has been abuse in my home, or yelling in my home, or my mother died, or my father died, or there was, uh, you just go through this long list of experiences, and all of a sudden you watch these kids take a step, a step, and all of them are coming to the center of the room, and what it teaches them is, oh my God, I'm not alone.
0: yeah They oh, are just
3: right. like me. It brings a it brings about a commonality that they never ever knew that they had was someone that they were angry with or jealous of. It just breaks down all of these walls about who they are as individuals when they look and see that they're standing in the middle of the room with their peers.
0: We've all suffered pain. It's how we handle it is exactly. is the game, right? Yeah.
3: Exactly. It's very powerful.
0: Yes, I can imagine it would be. Well, it's like when, when we, you know, as women especially, I don't know you know, if men do this so much, but women especially, we're, we're very free in sharing our stories. Uh, you know, this isn't the entire premises of this radio station is people sharing their stories, which has become their expertise, you know, become their passion, uh, to share so to help other people. Um, We do that because we know that by telling our story and we don't do it in any shame and we don't do it with with any fear of retaliation. We do it because we finally place value upon ourselves and because we do believe in who we are now and we've made the journey to get here. But we've all come from something that, you know, has at some point beaten the life out of us. And we've all had to get back up on our feet again and take those steps forward. And find that courage within ourselves to do so. Um, And that starts, of course, with the self-love, which, of course, I think is the root of all bullying, is the fact they're always looking for love and approval from everyone else. Mm
2: -hmm. But
0: nobody's ever taught them to look at it from themselves. Right. Yes. Yes. Susan? (laughs) <laughs> no, then, no, as Susan's, yes, 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 right. jump in, <laughs> folks. Who wants to get in there first? Well, this is the big one.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> well <forget> it, Susan.
0: <laughs> now, we well, okay, very, very
3: quickly. You know, at the at the heart, I think of of the hundreds, possibly thousands of assessments, beliefs, assessments I've done over the decade plus that I've done it. You know, at the very, very heart of the human condition is. The belief that says we are not good enough.
0: Yeah.
3: I mean, you peel it off and peel it off and peel it off and peel it off and peel it off. It's I'm not good enough. So it is key. Self-love is absolutely key because when you love yourself, you are not a victim and you don't attract it. And when you love yourself, there is no need to hurt another.
0: Also, you just don't take things personally anymore. You know, somebody comes at you with attack; uh, it's you realize it's it's their pain that they're that they're trying to impose upon you. Correct. And the problem
3: is, though, Sarah, when you're a, te- I mean, I just dropped my teenage granddaughter off to school this morning, and my preteen grandson. When you're at that age, there is absolutely no concept of yeah. that whatsoever. That is something they have to grow through. Yeah and so there needs to be a different approach to that and that's why I started working with that commonality thing to show kids that they're actually more alike than they are different.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, Vessel, you want to jump in there quickly? Oh,
1: yeah, I just wanted to (laughs) (laughs) go back to what you were saying earlier and that was uh, you were mentioning that women tend to share stories and talk about themselves. Um to make it easy for themselves I guess.
0: To heal, yes. To heal. Sure.
1: Okay. Okay. My point is that is true. That is true. I have seen that. I have two daughters and I have a wife around me, so I know how it is. <laughs> um my point is how much is it real and how much is it just the gossip?
0: Oh well, you know, that's for the attention thing. seeking you know who the crisis junkies are right ladies you know you've got the people that are needy and you know their pain is bigger than your pain their sorrow is bigger than your sorrow and you know it's woe is me and you know that they're there purely for um, the attention seeking I call them crisis junkies uh, you know the difference between those that thrive on misery and their own Sick. misery especially to those that are seeking to come out of their misery and find something else in life what do you say to that Tracy
2: wow that's a pretty powerful (laughs) statement there. (laughs) but it is true um there are folks out there who that's all they know is drama and they don't know that they're living inside a drama triangle and that there's another way to live out there um part of the work i've done with folks who um, live the victim's role in the drama triangle is to teach them about the other the positions on that triangle and how to empower themselves to identify I'm on the triangle. This is a position I've taken and I'm going to get off. Now it comes down to willingness, just like with the bullies. If people aren't willing to change, they're not going to. Um, you have to be willing to say, I've had enough of this drama. I want something different. Um, but without the willingness, the different lifestyle never comes about. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, exactly. I also wanted to go back again <laughs> uh, to the same thing. Uh, and you're 100% right. Us men, most of the times. We don't want to share stories or our pains mm-hmm. because we are men. That's how society has uh, taught us that men are supposed to be tough and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, all we'll that kind <laughs> of <laughs> but,
1: but here's the thing. Um, a couple of years ago when I went to do my speakers training and there was a batch of 10 of us and there were four or five men speakers and right off the bat the first day we were – made to come in front of the class and share our one of the shameful stories in our past. And in the beginning, um, myself too, I mean, we were reluctant. All the men were like, we, we're not going to talk about that. If we talk about that, then we are not men. What will everyone else think in the class? Yeah. But here's what happened. As soon as I shared my story and And when I saw the other four or five men shared their stories, the tears started coming down um, on my face. And all the ten people in the class were listening, were engaged. And all the men, they got vulnerable. But, man, Mm -hmm. what an experience. Once Mm -hmm. we shared our stories, instead of, like, people getting mad at us, they got really connected to us. Mm Mm-hmm. They were just giving us applause and they were like, wow, this is great. You are actually a great um, and brave man. That was totally opposite. And here I thought if I share my pain with other people, they will condemn me. But that's not how mm-hmm. it is.
0: Cause that's what, that was your belief, right? Yeah, that was my
1: belief. <laughs> that, that's what I right. was taught. <laughs> yes. This is what I, uh, I learned from my father because this is how he was. He was poker face. Yeah. A dictator. And that's what I learned. Doesn't matter what happened. Doesn't matter how much pain I have. I have to keep it inside. And believe me, um, that most of the bullies, they are scared inside. They have so much pain inside right. that you won't believe me. <laughs> it's just so much pain. But again, due to society, due to the upbringing, they don't want to accept it. They don't want to open up. They don't want to be vulnerable.
0: Actually, um, this is a perfect segment into the bullied bully. Um, I recently met a gentleman who's actually writing a book on this and um um the repercussions of the bullied bully or the remorseful bully, I think he was going to call it, you know, he was bullied into bullying as a child, you know, uh, I will bully you or you're going to join me an, and you will bully who I tell you you will bully. And you're a, a young skinny kid, vulnerable, you know, it's like, well, I either got to be a victim here or I've got to go and be the bully. Mm. So he was a reluctant bully. Um 40 years later, they had a, um, um, school reunion and one of the bullies went up to one guy and apologized for bullying him all those years later um to a couple of people one accepted it you know and said thank you for doing that you know even though it's all these years later it's given some validation that you recognize that you bullied me the other one wouldn't he's carrying the pain too deep it's affected his life that no matter how. Rich he got, how bigger and faster the cars you know he had divorces, he had failed this and that, and it 's because he hung on to that that victimization all his life um, at what point you know there's, t- there's a two question here it's you know how to deal with the bullied bully because they're the bullier and they've been bullied into it. So kind of you've got the double-edged sword there. But also, at what point do we maybe look at taking ownership of our, ourselves and saying, I don't want to live like this anymore and I'm going to do what I need to do to overcome it?
1: Correct. Good question. Good question. That's the key. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Most of us, uh, and it doesn't matter if if, if uh, we're bullies or victims Um, we live in past. We don't want to let go of our pain and suffering. Whatever happened in the past, we just keep on hanging to it. Um, And then that prevents us moving forward. That's what I have learned in my life. Tracy,
0: I mean, Tracy, definitely, I mean, both you and Susan, you know, really deal with this on a very big, intricate level. But Tracy, you know, what's... um, How do you get somebody to kind of let go... Of what has happened to them, um, you know. Let's, let's let's talk about that one first before we get to the bullied bully. But how do you get to someone to let go of the pain from the past, and why do they hold on to it so much?
2: Okay, so when people are hanging onto pain from the past, that means they have been damaged or wounded by something that happened, and the first step. Um, to recovery is acknowledging having one person in this world in this case it would be me if they're coming to me to hear their story and validate what they went through to validate their feelings validate their you know mad sad, glad guilty ashamed afraid so that one person validates that Um, the majority of people um if they don't get validation they're always left wondering what's wrong with me and I tell people there's nothing wrong with you you have normal responses to situations that crop up um so if you're sad you're sad we're not going to judge that and say there's something wrong with you but a lot of people are told what's wrong with you why are you crying Um, And those are, again, it comes back to socialization, whether it's your family or your neighborhood or your teachers. Um, Children need to be affirmed. They need to be validated. Their situation's. So that they understand there's nothing wrong with me, I'm having a response here to this situation and I'm responsible for my behaviors and what I do and say. I get to have my feelings, my feelings don't get to have me and so if I see someone later on in life, I just go back with them in time and reteach some of those ideas to them that validate what they went through as being awful and hard for them And helping them to understand that we can't undo that, but we can move forward. Yeah, We don't have to take the pain with us into the future. No, it doesn't belong
0: there, folks. Uh, it doesn't serve us over there. It serves nobody. We never forget. But if we don't forgive and let go, we will always be victims of that situation. And if we don't Correct. want to walk through life in victimization, at some point, we need to take that ownership of self and say, you know, it's not serving me. It's not taking me anywhere. You know, um, you, know Vassal, you took that victimization and decided to make a career out of it, uh, to make sure that other people didn't live in that. Sometimes we have to take these journeys because they actually lead us to our purpose mm-hmm. and help us understand that path, which is part of what it's all about. So,
1: Exactly. Okay, so how about...
0: Go ahead.
3: I, very, very quickly, this just this quickly brought up something um, I was thinking of, too, that I feel is very, very important. One of the things that I have noticed over my years and years and years of working with beliefs and working with victims and core issues is that people are afraid to feel. They're scared of their emotions. I'm very much like Tracy. Correct. For mm-hmm. me, it is a complete and total body, mind, and spirit connection. Yes. And I remember one day I had um, a small classroom of of young man, and the teacher actually had a, an assignment they had to do before we got into coaching, which they love to do, that was very similar along the lines of work that I do. And I had this one young man, and I say it loosely. I mean, the kid was like six foot three. (laughs) Um, And, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I have that mother in me, and every once in a while I have to go, whoa, he's a big kid. Um, And he, the first few classes I had, a very angry, very, very angry young man, and always having to swear, and I'd always have to call him on it. Well, anyway, this particular day, they were being asked to do this assignment, and it had to do with emotions and feelings. And, and he I heard this snap of the pencil, and he slammed this pencil down. He says, I can't do this assignment. Intuitively... I knew what was going on. He was being asked to get in touch with feelings, and it scared the bejeebies out of him. Mm-hmm. So I walked up to the blackboard, and I use this analogy a lot with both adults and with children. And I, I asked the boys if they knew what an EKG was. And so I drew this circle on the line or on the board, and they said yes. And I drew a line in the middle, and I said, what is an EKG? Well, it monitors your heartbeat. And I said, okay, listen. Let's pretend that this particular monitor is going to monitor emotions so that everything that goes above this line is a positive and joyful emotion. And every and I drew a little little arrow up and I said, Anything below the line is what we call a negative emotion. I said the the issue with emotions is, is that you have the ability to suppress those emotions we have multi multi trillion dollar industries that do the same thing alcohol drugs uh, cigarettes food shopping etc so i'm trying this on the board and i said but every time you get to that negative emotion that doesn't feel good you go to work to suppress it and make it smaller and that's okay but look what happens here boys The emotion on the positive end gets smaller, too, until such time. And then I just drew a line out the end, straight line. I said, on a heart monitor, what is this called? And they said, it's called flat line. And I said, what happens when you flat line? They said, you're dead. I said, isn't that kind of what happens when you suppress your feelings? It's kind of like you're a, must, it must feel like you're a walking zombie. Mm-hmm. And this kid that I had some problems with, he said, you're calling me a zombie. You're calling me a walking zombie. I mean, I hit a hot button big yeah. time. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, it must be what it feels like. And he got it. And in front of his tears he couldn't hold it back anymore he just broke down into a puddle of tears a puddle of tears and he said miss can you help me i mean the kid just was asking mm-hmm. for help and what i wanted to point out and the other boys didn't laugh they didn't make fun all of a sudden i could feel empathy go throughout mm-hmm. that room but the point of this is is that when you are afraid of what you feel and don't see those at those emotions as energy and allow yourself to process them in a healthy manner and you suppress them. You know, my Bible when I coach is the book by Carol Truman, Feelings Buried Alive Never Die. They have to go somewhere. They have to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. So teaching them that it's okay to feel that it isn't a frightening thing to feel and to not suppress those emotions. I feel at some point in time those extremely suppressed emotions are like what Tracy talked about when you find those teenage kids with World War III down in their parents' basement plotting to go shoot up a school Mm -hmm. because they no longer feel so how, helping yes. these kids process, because they probably weren't taught how to process emotions because their parents are, aren't, processing emotions.
0: Or their community. I mean, you know, we, you know, we have to understand too that, um, we're not insular. We're not just talking about parents. You know, we need to look to the extended, you know, grandparents, aunts and uncles, to your community really need to bring the village back where we all actually care about our kids in our neighborhood, um, you know, and teach respect teach kids to help people across the road carry groceries it's an old world thing and maybe i'm just getting old but i think that they were (laughs) courtesies i'm showing my age here i think that these courtesies are something that we need to bring back to our kids and maybe if they had respect for their elders respect for other people that have made the journey in life you know got the wisdoms um they may have a little bit more value on life itself and on their value through that find their purpose and you know strength within themselves we've become such an insular world where everything is you know school home on the computer back to school and you know where is that community integration that's going on there where we should be all out there helping one another
1: Mm -hmm. yes quick input uh sarah Mm -hmm. um you know, uh, there's another thing why bullies or victims don't want to let go of their pain because over the e- years, that pain and that suffering become their identity. Mm-hmm. Correct. And you know how all of us are protective of our identities. We don't want to let them go. It doesn't matter if they are painful or joyful. It doesn't matter. It's very hard for someone to let go uh, of something they are known for, because it, it's an yeah. unknown place. They don't know what's going to happen. If I let go of my past, what's what's in in future for me? What's going to happen? So that's another uh, another uh, thing that uh, scares them.
0: Um, yeah, there's another, another one. I think uh, you girls might have kind of hit this one more from the work that you've done. At what point does a bully overstep the line? Of point of no return you know they've gone violent at this point really violent Um, you know when and it's no longer just the bullying anymore it's no longer just dealing with you know the the pushing and shoving or the words Um, but you know they've taken up arms Um, is there any point of return for them at that point
2: well, this is Tracy. I can share something that was very, it was very profound for me um i I had worked with sex offenders, and these were um young boys. The youngest was nine and wow. the oldest was eighteen and um one of them was getting ready to graduate and He pulled me aside and he said, "I want to share something with you because." I actually like you. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> well, thank you. That is a huge compliment. Or seriously, um, I said, okay. What is it that you want to share? He said, look around this room, and and I did. It was filled with boys again of these ages, and he said they are showing you exactly what you want them to see.
1: Mm-hmm. He
2: said, I I need you to understand that inside their heads, they're all plotting. You only get to see what they want you to see, but there is no real impact that you or any of the other um, therapists and counselors here are trying to do for us. They can't help us.
0: Wow. And
2: I, yes it is, and it made the hair in the back of my neck stand up. Mm-hmm. And that was the day I decided, you know, I don't want to work with a population that cannot be helped. Mm-hmm. And I, I decided that that is not where I was going to spend my career. But I thanked him for telling me because I wouldn't have known because they're all very good actors. Yeah. And so there is a segment of the population who really don't care what we have to say or how we want to say it or what we want to do for them. Um, they'll give us the head nods and the yeses, but they're plotting and it's not easy to tell. There's <laughs> other good than their it. behavior. Yeah, yeah, they're good at it. But through behavioral um, things that they do, that's how we discover who's falling on what side of the fence, who we can help, who we cannot help.
0: When you've got people like you know the Jeffrey Dolmers, et etc. I mean, they were all charming. That's how they got their victims. Right. And right. you know, I think when, I think that's probably what we could say is when it's too late, when they've become so absolutely cunning, there isn't any conscience there anymore. You know, it's become a game, hasn't it? And, uh, you can't it's rescue people that don't even look upon needing rescue. You know, they looked upon us as needing rescued. <laughs> so, correct. Yes,
2: uh, is correct. So sometimes you can't you tell contact. though. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know. That's the problem. You know, that's the problem with it. You can't tell that. So, you know, the thing is, is that, no, we can't help everybody. You can only help those that choose to be helped. And if they don't wish to be helped, it doesn't matter how regimental you are, how how big the bars are. If right. they're not criminal on the outside, they'll be criminal on the inside, if that's what their nature is. Nature versus nurture. You know, sometimes that nurture didn't win out and the nature stepped in. So, okay, um, how do we stand up to a bully then? Like if a parent, a child comes home, and, you know, this isn't just to do with children. This is office bullies as well. Um, you know, you've got somebody that's maybe meek and mild, uh, totally against any form of violence, etc. How do they stand up to that bully and let that bully know that they will not tolerate being bullied anymore? Um Vassal, how about we go through to you and then uh, then around the table?
1: Yes, sure. For me, it's all about owning your voice and confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't matter what I tell a child what to do in a situation when a bully shows up. Doesn't matter. If that child does not have confidence and self-esteem inside, it's not going to work. Because bullies are very smart. They can read the victims or the kids they are bullying. Yeah. They can read their faces that they're, they're not confident. Um, they can
0: sense their fear.
1: Exactly. So it doesn't matter what I tell them or what I teach them, what to say. Uh, they, they, it's not going to work. So what I start with is instilling confidence in them. It's making them brave from inside, not from outside. And once a kid is brave from inside, they have that confidence, then the size does not matter. It does not matter if they are skinny, um, tall, short, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Once they have the confidence and once they believe in themselves, then the bully does not matter anymore.
0: Yeah, the mere presence of David and Goliath begins to tremble. <laughs>
1: exactly. yeah. yeah, yeah. So for me, it's, it's again, it's the confidence, um, and it's the self-belief. And, uh, it, it takes time. It takes time it to do that. It's not just a pill that, uh, I can give them and right. in, in one week, they are ready to go. It's not like that. It's just pushing them, pushing them and, and not only them believing in the, in themselves, it's, Parents or the people around them, mm-hmm. they have to start believing in them too. They have to give them high fives and all that. Yes, then, support. Yeah, so then they start believing in themselves. So that's what it is. The bottom line is that, yeah. All
0: right. Susan? Well,
3: and what I was thinking about too was two things I was thinking about. First of all, I'm, I know from my being a victim growing up and dealing with victim issues my entire life, once you start getting to that place where you're not vibrating, and that's, I know, a woo-woo word, you tend to see less and less victim experiences coming in your direction. But once a victim, you'll always have these opportunities kind of show up for you. I know that when I quit allowing men to victimize me, got that out of my system and out of my life... They started showing up in other areas, like with a boss. Yeah. Where I had to say, no, this, you, no, this is, you, you are not, you're not, you can't do this. You know, you just, this isn't going to happen. I'm, I'm not going to put up with it. But, um, another, and this is kind of going a little bit around the topic. There are ways that we can address kids that are not a bully and not a victim. To reach out to them, to teach them to stand up for the victim yes. when they watch it happening.
0: Yes, because I if mean, you're watching it happening, you're part of the bullying.
3: That's right. To do nothing is to be a part yeah. of the problem.
2: Right.
3: Yes. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that there's, there's always going to be these It's teaching a victim and, of course, teaching a a young person versus um, someone who's an adult and and ready to perceive the information that you have. And and I want to share here, Sarah, you do know my story. Yes. Um, The audience does not know my story, but um, I lost a daughter in 2009, a 30-year-old daughter to domestic violence. And – so I know a lot about victimization. I, I, I spent a lot of time dealing with my, my own personal guilt that I wasn't able to raise her out of her victimization, that I wasn't able to do what I do today. I mean, in fact, in many ways, I felt myself getting sucked back up into her victimization, trying to save her and my granddaughter. It was a two-year process from beginning to end once I identified she was in an abusive marriage. And she wasn't a victim in school. She was very popular in school. She had a good heart. She would be the first person that would kick the tail end of someone that she watched being bullied. She would not stand for it. So it was never identified in any of those years, and yet she still found herself... In an abusive marriage that I couldn't even identify. Yeah. And I usually can spot it a mile away. I didn't even identify it till one day I did and that was a two year process and then I lost her anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's always going to be pervasive. Once you're this victim, there'll be pieces of it that will show up, but that's how we grow with each step that we say, no, this is not acceptable. We grow stronger and stronger. It's just that when you're 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, you don't have enough in your arsenal because that's what I did. I mean, I just, I embraced my three daughters and I was just absolutely going to ensure that they weren't victimized or they learned about it until one day I realized, no, I can't teach them anything. They have to experience it too understand it. It has to be experiential. All I can do is be there for them and love them through it.
0: And support them through it, yeah.
3: And support them through it.
2: Yes. Well my position on um, the original question when we started the round table a few <laughs> seconds ago because <laughs> i as when i'm listening then i lose the original yeah, I know question lose, in my lose mind the
0: train of there, yes.
2: yes absolutely um and and these conversations are quite intriguing um but when I'm dealing with someone who is being bullied, um, it, it comes back to, is there danger involved? And well, one of the things I always sort out, whether it's a teenager I'm working with or uh, a woman in a marriage, for example, I need to find out the level of um, danger. Because mm-hmm. sometimes if there's true v- danger, meaning someone is going to get hurt or killed, the approach is very, very different. Um, than if we're talking about emotional or or psychological abuse, where feelings are getting hurt, um, where self-esteems are being damaged. um, The approach to those situations um, is unique and different for every situation, depending on who's doing the bullying and to what degree. Um, I had a mom and a daughter in my office a couple weeks ago, and the mom really thought the issue had been handled um, but this girl you know given a platform to say you know what was happening it wasn't handled the bully in this case it was another girl continued over the summer and is not backing down and mom was completely oblivious because she felt that you know they talked to the you know, the principle and everything was taken care of. But when we've got social media and cell phones and, yes. and all the advances in technology, it doesn't just go away with a con. Are
0: you there? Oh, did I lose you? Is everybody else there?
1: I'm here.
2: I hear oh.
3: you, Sarah.
0: Oh, yeah. Tracy, are you back?
2: I am. I, I must be uh, you, you going in and, for, and out. Yeah, you you
0: dropped there for a moment.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay.
0: That's okay. Well, actually, you know, um, we're, we're coming to the end of that segment, and and you know what? That that has to be another show. Uh, we have to do another show on you know the cyberbullying and also the words that we say to one another and the psychological effect it has. You know, we've talked about bullying, kind of playground and and family, but. You know, verbalization, people don't realize it, is such a big, huge form of bullying. And that that is another show that has to be done. We're coming to an end of this one. So I would like all of you, please, to go around and let everybody know how they can get hold of you, your site, and any of your information that you have there. And uh, how about we start with you, Tracy, as uh, we had you there last
2: Okay, Um, I can be reached on my website. My website is uh, my Cherokee name, which is Two Wolf Dancing. So that's www.twowolfdancing.com, and uh, my demographics are there: cell phone, office phone, um, as well as email.
0: And as I said, I did interview her a little while ago when you get to see more about her, and also uh, have access to her fabulous book, um, which I highly recommend. So, uh, Susan, your turn.
3: Yes, right now the best way, Sarah, is through my email address. I'm actually... Getting a website built for the PALS program that I'm working with for at-risk youth. And it is in the process of being constructed right now. The best way to reach me is through my email address at coach, C-O-A-C-H-S, Turnbull, T-U-R-N as in Nancy, B as in boy, U-L-L at yahoo.com. And then can always, Sarah, of course, reach me through PLV radio, and through you.
0: Yes, and through, actually, folks, as I said, that uh, they're showcase hosts coming on once a month uh, with their own um, shows and on their own topics here on beliefs, and uh, Tracy's going to be under relationships. So you'll be able to see their bios, more information, and other upcoming shows under showcase on plv uh, com. Vachelle, let's uh, go to you, and how can people get hold of you?
1: Well, I must say that I love technology, so I got everything in place. Um, my website is both bothsidesofbullying.com. I'll spell that. B like boy, O-T-H, sides, S like Sam, I-D-E-S, of bullying.com. And once you go there, there's a blog full of information about bullying. Um, there's... Uh, there's a place where you can hit and go to Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and I have a fan page on Facebook. Again, it's full, full of information about bullying, what to do, all the new news in the media about bullying. Yeah, so that's where uh, you can find me. Um, there's an email address, too, on the website and phone number.
0: Great, and everybody's been interviewed by me before, so you'll find them in past shows, and uh, you can always listen to those interviews as well. And I thank you all very, very much for coming on. I mean, we've really only scratched the surface, and this does definitely need to be uh, spoken about again. Um Just a quick thing, did you know that through astrology, you can actually tell if a child is going to be the bullier or the bullied by the child? And that's one to chew over and is another subject for down the road. Thank you so much, uh, Susan, Tracy, and Vastel, for coming on the show and sharing with us. And as I said, there's another chapter here that we have to do. So thank you so much, thank everybody.
1: You, Sarah. Thank, you, thank you, Sarah, Susan, and Tracy. No. It was wonderful.
0: You have been listening to Sarah Positive Living Vibrations Roundtable Forum. If you missed any part of the show, you can find it on plv-radio.com under Pasho's tab.